This is the Agenda Podcast on the Blood Red Channel, taking a bite-sized look at some of the big Liverpool FC talking points. Liverpool 1, Aston Villa 0, as the Reds maintain their pace in the title race as Steven Gerrard returned to Anfield. Well, I'm joined by Matt Allison to go through everything from the game. Matt, how are you doing? Yeah, really good. Really uh, entertaining game. Slightly frustrating at times this afternoon for Liverpool, but I think it's uh, a big statement that they just kept going and, and kept sort of battling away, really, I think is is the right way of putting it. And look, they, they fully deserve the points again, but for the second successive weekend, it's been, you know, a 1-0. It's been not a resounding win that we've seen at times this season, but yeah, like I say, they battled, they fought for it and absolutely fully deserved it, really. Well, I'm sure we're going to go into much more detail on the game itself, but we have to start with the man of the occasion, Stephen Gerrard, returning to Anfield. Before we talk about his side, Matt, I'd just like to talk about the man himself. What was the reput- sorry? What was the uh, reaction like in Anfield <laughs> on his arrival? So I lost my words there, a bit there. <laughs> yeah, no, it was uh, it, it was always going to be an interesting one. I think I know he tried to to play it down, didn't he? Going into the game, he didn't want it to be about him. He wanted to sort of keep the the sort of talking points on the pitch, really, but. That was never really going to be the case, was it? It was always going to be Steven Gerrard's Aston Villa. That's how they're going to be referred to most weeks, but certainly when he's coming back to, to Anfield with them. And yeah, I'm sure it would have been stranger for him than he let on. Uh, there was a little sort of smattering of applause at the start. There was a couple of, of renditions from Liverpool fans at, at times of, of the Steven Gerrard song, but generally it was kind of kept under wraps really and, until the end of, of the game. I think the, the way that the game panned out, as we'll come to, actually sort of helped that be the case. I think if maybe Liverpool were three or four up and were sort of strolling, maybe the, the song would have come out a few more times. But obviously, you know, the, the events on the pitch took over as soon as the whistle started and and that's kind of how it was really. I think obviously Steven Gerrard will will come back to, to Anfield plenty more times, I'm sure, as, as Aston Villa boss, but it was always going to be it was always going to be a weird one. Um, I just think that the way that the that they played the way that they came and uh, and sort of set up at Anfield was was really impressive. I think he's done a really good job there so far. But yeah, ultimately it was uh, a case of Liverpool getting the three points, and that's you know, fully deserved really on the on the, the sort of ninety minutes that we've seen. Well, what I was looking for was reception, and I think that reception soon changed when we saw how his Villa side had set up very defensive, Matt, and they really dug in, didn't they? Yeah, they did. They they were very very good at it, to be fair. But there was lots of of sort of moments. Really, it was very very Jose Mourinho. I thought it was very much that kind of of managerial performance. It was you know time wasting from Emmy Martinez every single time. You know Stuart Atwell told him four or five times, but he just kept doing it, and it, it did feel at times like sort of Aston Villa players were just on the, the right side of, of the line that they knew how far to push it without going too far, which I think is something that we've seen with Chelsea plenty of times under Mourinho in the past. It's something that Steven Gerrard and Liverpool have come up against and unfortunately didn't come out the, the right side of, obviously, in 2014. It was it was that kind of game, really. It's it's kind of ironic that, that Gerrard set up in that way. I think we kind of think of him playing a similar brand of football to what Jurgen Klopp does and the similar sort of 4-3-3 and, and all the rest of it. Rangers but obviously he's very pragmatic he knows that you can't you know come up against Liverpool and play that kind of football because you will get beat so yeah there's loads of of examples I could sit here for five minutes reeling things off I mean Ashley Young was in the referee's face every couple of minutes demanding yellow cards there was obviously the time wasting there was the substitutions there was Matt Target going across to to take a throw in and just sort of wandering about first before he went over there It, it was all it was all very clever um, I think they they got 
basically what they wanted out of the referee. I think he was it, it was a slightly strange performance. I think there was kind of a feeling that he didn't really take control of the game. I just think he was a little bit naive at times. I think that there's only so many times that you can tell players not to do something before the crowd realise that it doesn't matter how many times you tell them, they're just going to do it anyway. So that was was a slightly strange uh, sort of performance from from him. But yeah, it, it, it was... It probably wasn't what Liverpool fans expected. It certainly wasn't what I expected from Steven Gerrard's team. In some ways, I kind of look at it and, and I'm really respectful of it because he's only been there a couple of weeks and he's managed to get them playing in that certain style of play. But I suppose that the reverse of that is that ultimately they did lose the game. They did deserve to lose the game as well. And yeah, when you've got a, a player like Mohamed Salah on your team, it's it, it's always one of those. You expect him to get one chance. Obviously, this time it comes from the penalty spot, but yeah, Liverpool had to, to battle. They had to earn the right to go and, and win that match. And ultimately, they've done it again. You know, the, the mentality monsters, whatever you want to call them. Um, it, it's it's one of those games, again, where I think, well, I mean, the, the, the case I gave before, the, the Gerrard in 2014 example, that was one where Liverpool came up against that kind of opponent, ended up obviously on the wrong side of the result, were a little bit naive. It, it's the opposite now. Liverpool came up against that. They knew exactly what to do. They kept going, they kept going, and they kept going. And ultimately, they've won the game. Yeah, winning ugly really isn't a bad habit, is it? And um, Villa really came in with some very solid Mourinho-style park, the bus defending, as you mentioned. But Liverpool were the ones who came with a clean sheet, Matt. A very impressive defensive display yet again, and another clean sheet in the Premier League. Yeah, I thought Joel Matic was was excellent, actually, for, for Liverpool. I think Virgil van Dijk got a booking, didn't he, early on in the, the first half. But other than that, again, was was really good. Andy Robertson was excellent. Trent generally was was pretty good. There was a couple of times that he gave the ball away. But, you know, generally speaking, I thought Liverpool did really well to, to stop Aston Villa counter-attacking because I think, obviously, I mentioned that the setup that they had and, and primarily it was a case of, of sitting in deep, making sure that they had the, the four and the five in front of them to, to make sure that they were hard to beat and, and that kind of thing. But at the same time, you know that they've got Ollie Watkins. They were able to bring on Emi Buendia, who they've just spent sort of 30, 40 million quid on in the summer. You've got Danny Ings coming off the bench. I mean, there are good quality attacking options there as well. They can sort of go about it in a couple of different ways. So, yeah, it, it was a, another really impressive performance. And again, that's that's part of, of the mentality thing. It's a case of, well, as long as they don't score, we can't lose type thing. It's it, it's one of those where I think it's, it's a game where you always fancied that Liverpool would get a goal at some point. It was just a case of, you know, A, could they do that and, and could they take the chance when it came? And obviously Jota last week didn't do that and Divock Origi did. Again, this week Jota did miss a, a big chance, but Mohamed Salah had already put Liverpool ahead. So, yeah, it's it, it's one of those where you need a solid platform to, to build upon. Ollie Watkins and, and all of those players are, are really impressive, but Liverpool did stifle them quite well, I thought, today. So, yeah, it was uh, not an easy game to, to come up against. It could have very easily, in, in previous editions of, of this Liverpool team, been a case of Villa nicking it and winning 1-0 and, and going away with the perfect master plan from Steven Gerrard. But Liverpool are just too clever now. And I thought probably Matip, but but certainly um, certainly Van Dijk as well. I think they they just were a level above, really, which I think is, is how Steven Gerrard described it at the end. So, yeah, it, it was a good performance defensively as well. So... Uh, yeah, plenty of, of positives, really. Yeah, it's nice having a consistent back four playing all together once again, isn't it? <laughs> Going to move forward now into the midfield. Much of the talk in the week was about how Steven Gerrard's breathed life into the Aston Villa midfield. I was very impressed with them today and our boys in the middle of the park really had their work cut out, didn't they, Matt? 
Yeah, they did. They really flooded that area of the pitch. Ashley Young was was everywhere, as I say, not just in the referee's face, but in a few of the, the Liverpool players' faces as well. I think John McGinn is is a really good footballer. He's almost like a, a not quite as good version of Andy Robertson if Andy Robertson played in midfield. He's very much that kind of battle-hardened, you know, he'll put a foot in, he'll put his body on the line type player. I think he was was really impressive. Separated at birth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so I think he was was excellent. Nakamba as well as, as a player that Steven Gerrard's really used a lot since he's come in. Obviously, it's only a, a small sample size to, to go off there, but it looks like he's going to be an impressive player for him as well. So it's, yeah, it's it's similar to the Liverpool midfield of old, almost pre-Tiago, of it being quite functional. It's one of those that will win the ball back and, and give it to the better players. But yeah, I thought Liverpool's midfield, similar to the defence, actually sort of stood up to that really well. I think Tiago put a good few um a few tackles in and, and nick the ball back in in good places. I think Fabinho as ever were, was excellent. Jordan Henderson slightly further forward, I thought, than possibly what we've seen him in the past. He seemed to be swapping a little bit, particularly in the first half with Oxley Chamberlain, who was obviously coming very deep and, and they seem to, to sort of have that partnership between them. But yeah, certainly Thiago and, and Fabinho as a two. I think it's 16 games now. They've won 15 together and, and drawn the other one. So there's a real good partnership going on there. There's there's obviously a good understanding. Um, and I think it, it bodes really well as well that it's not just, you know, on the ball. It's not just that Thiago can play a, a pass and, and cut two or three players of the opposition out of the game. It's it's being able to, to stand up to these challenges as well physically. And that's something that you did worry a lot about. I think last season, particularly with Thiago, I think this season it's it, it's a different case. And he, look, he, he wasn't perfect today. It wasn't his best ever game, but he did stand up to that challenge well. And I think that's you know really important for Liverpool moving forwards. You touched on Oxlade Chamberlain there. It was almost like an eight and ten pivot with him and Henderson. How do you think the Ox coped in false nine? I think it's one of the first times he started there. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, I think it's it is the first time, I think, in a competitive game. Um, I think he's done it a couple of times. I think he did it midweek actually, just for, for 10 or 15 minutes at the end of, of the game. He did it in pre-season as well. But Again, the, the calibre of, of opponent wasn't as as big there. And obviously the, the challenge is very different when it's a, a Premier League game and, and it's a competitive one. So I think he did okay. I think there's there's a lot still to, to sort of work on with him in that position. It's a very difficult position to to kind of pick up and know inside out anyway. Um, obviously, after you've not played it for, for a, well, not played it from the start, at, at least for a few months, it's it's a difficult one to, to kind of just go into and, and settle into straight away. And I think it's a particularly difficult position as well when you're coming up against sort of, well, probably four or five players in that kind of area that you want to operate in. It's not like he was given the, the time and the space. I think Villa defended him really quite well. And that's probably why he was dropping deep. It's it, it is a different type of player, isn't he, to Roberto Firmino. You're never going to get that kind of intricacy or the, the kind of threaded pass that, that possibly um, someone like Firmino is perfect for, for that kind of game, really, where he can just spot something that, that, that the Villa defence might... I mean, they, they might even be set up properly, but there might just be a little gap that he can put it through. I mean, Oxlade-Chamberlain is, is a different kind of player, but I thought he, he did okay. Uh, he did sort of link the play in the end, obviously goes off for, for Diogo Jota, which I think is is a sensible move to, to make at that point in the match. But yeah, from what we've seen, there's there's enough promising signs. 
obviously fingers crossed Firmino can can come back. But it's going to be big, I think, in, in January for, for AFCON to have Oxlade-Chamberlain fit and available. Obviously, we know there's sort of two or three games that, that really matter. There's possibly a couple of FA Cup games, possibly a couple of, of Carabao Cup games as well. I think Oxlade-Chamberlain, it's, it's a position he's going to have to come in and, and play because... If you take Salah and Mane out of, of that team, obviously you've got Jota, you've got Minamino who came off the bench and I thought did okay. But, you know, we are really going to be having to, to look towards Oxlade-Chamberlain, I think, more frequently. I think, you know, I'd be surprised if he didn't get two or three of those games in January in that position. And hopefully, you know, afternoons like this can can really sort of bode well for that and, and help him to, to learn and, and develop that position. Because I think, you know, it's something that Jurgen Klopp spoke about in the summer of, you know, Liverpool don't need to go out and get another attacker because they've got other options. I don't think anyone was was quite convinced of it, but possibly a little bit more convinced of it after after today's performance. The agenda on the Blood Red Channel. All those other options that did come on were Diogo Jota, another big miss for him, Matt, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know quite how he's managed to do that two weeks in a row, to be honest. It was uh not as bad as as the one a week ago, but it yeah, it, it wasn't great, was it? It should have should have killed the game. Really, it's it's slightly strange because he's been in such good form up until last week. He then misses the chance, gets a bit of a knock, misses the game midweek, and obviously starts on the bench for for that reason today because he wasn't quite ready to to go from the start. But yeah, it's it's a real strange one. I mean, it, to an extent, it's kind of proving true what Wolves fans and and what. People that we spoke to around Wolves said at the time when he came in that he is a little bit streaky. He can sort of go off for a couple of games and, and then come back and, and have a run. I think that is to an extent true, um, but probably, you know, the the sort of good bits are, are certainly longer at Liverpool than they were at Wolves. So, yeah, look, it's, it's not a, a massive concern, but... The last couple of games, it could quite easily have been him that had cost Liverpool, you know, four points there. If, if Liverpool draw both of those games nil-nil, those chances are, are really sort of looking even bigger than, than what they are. So, yeah, fingers crossed for him. It gets forgotten because Liverpool have, have won both matches. But I think certainly for him, if he can start against Newcastle, score maybe one or two in, in that one, it, it will just kind of put that to bed. And again, similar to Oxlade-Chamberlain, he's going to be needed a lot in January. Liverpool need him to be in that hot run of form when it comes to, to the AFCON matches that, that Salah and Mane will miss. So, yeah, fingers crossed that the drought doesn't last too long, but I'm sure he must again be going home thinking, how on earth have I missed that? Well, yeah, Salah and Mane will be a big miss in AFCON. There's another big miss from Salah again today after Mane slid him through. But the man was in the goals again with his penalty after being bundled over by Tyron Mings. What did you think of their performances, Matt? And how much are we going to miss those in a couple of weeks' time? Yeah, it's it's still a big concern, isn't it? It's still going to be a big miss. Mohamed Salah, uh, to come to him first, obviously the match winner. Again, I think it's every game he's you know putting in a goal or an assist. He, he's just... The, the, the numbers are ridiculous. You don't need me to, to sort of reel them off. Everyone's aware of, of what they are. I, I just think, again, it, he was was the difference, wasn't he? He's the one that, that wins the penalty. He's the one that tucks it away. Again, Martinez is trying to get into his ear, trying to put him off. You've got Tyrone Mings stood on the penalty spot, trying to delay it and delay it and delay it. But you know, it, it just didn't bother him, didn't phase him. And he puts the ball in the back of the net. And I suppose when you do it, as often as what he does it, it does just become very normal, doesn't it? It becomes something that is instinctive and he's just gone up another level, hasn't he? So yeah, we know we know how good he is. We know how important he is. We know the the contract situation and, and all the rest of it. It's got to be done. Uh, and again, we've we've been through the reasons for that. But 
I thought Sadio Mane was was slightly more interesting today. I think he played really well quietly. I think he battled really well. I think he suits these types of of games. You think of kind of a, a Burnley away or, or something like that in previous seasons where he's had to to go and and battle and and win his battle first and then earn the opportunity to to sort of dribble it as at his opponent. There was a couple of times where he just sort of ran it out of play and, and did the wrong thing and and made the wrong decision. But I think we kind of saw a little bit of a, a better version of him than what we've seen quite frequently this season. Obviously, he doesn't get the goal, which is something he has been very good at this season, is just putting the ball in the back of the net. But I think in terms of his general play, his, his link-up play, his ability to, to kind of beat a man and, and go past the player, I think that was uh, a much better performance, actually, from him. And I think he's he's one of those that, that kind of stood out to me the most, obviously. You know, Salah and Van Dijk and all the others that I've mentioned, we kind of know the standard that they're at, but I think for me, Sadio Mane was was one that really stood out today as as being better, really, than, than what he has been for a lot of this season. So, yeah, fingers crossed that can continue. But again, we are going to lose him anyway, aren't we, in January? So, yeah, it's uh, kind of a, a double-edged sword, if you like. Well, of course, in the last few minutes of the game, it could have been oh so different with Alisson's interesting challenge, I'll say. I personally don't think it was a penalty, but there are shouts for it from Villa fans and Stephen Jarrett himself. What did you think of his display today, Matt? Albeit a quiet one, but it could have been very different for the Reds, couldn't it? Yeah, again, uh, a slightly odd performance from him. Um, he just seems to, to have these games in him, doesn't he, where he just has an off day. I'm not quite sure what it was. I think you know, the, the West Ham game a few weeks ago, that was one, but we haven't really seen him flap at, at things. And I mean, he just slipped over, didn't he, in the first half and, and the ball kind of went over his head and, and Villa could have scored. Obviously, the, the penalty incident, I've not actually seen it back at, at this point in time. I've uh, not not been able to, to watch it again since then. So in real time, I thought it could have been. I think there was there was certainly a good shout. I know Steven Gerrard has obviously said that you know, that was the difference between the, the two teams is that Liverpool got their penalty and, and Villa didn't. But I mean, that's that's not really true, is it? Liverpool were, were by far the, the better team. So I think the, the the best way I can put it is it could have been a penalty. He's a little bit lucky um, in a couple of those moments that he doesn't concede. But at the same time, I think the fact that Liverpool got theirs and, and Villa didn't wasn't an unfair reflection of, of the way the game went. I think if, if Liverpool hadn't have won that, you know, questions would be asked, obviously, but it would also be um, an unfair reflection, I think, in terms of, of the 90 minutes and the way it had gone. So I think it, you can have complaints to an extent in that possibly it could have been one, but in terms of, of the results and, and that kind of thing, yeah, I'm not, not entirely sure even Steven Gerrard is convinced of that. Well, it was a crucial, scrappy, hard-earned win for Liverpool, but it also was for their other two title rivals, Man City and Chelsea. Chelsea scraping past Leeds with a last-minute penalty, and City having a controversial penalty yet again on a day where there's been so many penalties, seemingly. How do you think this title race is hotting up, Matt? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Three penalties for for each of of the title race teams. Let's start with the the City one, first of all. I have no idea how that has been given. It's a a very, very strange one, isn't it? It doesn't look to me like it hits his arm, but, you know, it's a similar sort of of game, really, to to how Liverpool played last week. They, They got a little bit of luck in the end when they needed it. They win 1-0. Yeah, I mean, I'd be more concerned about the red card for, for Jimenez, to be honest, than the penalty. Oh, yeah. I'm not entirely sure what he Awful was doing decision. there. But yeah, just just pure stupidity, wasn't it, from from him? But yeah, it's um, it's one of those. Obviously, the, the pressure is then on Liverpool and Chelsea to go on and, and win their games, and, and they have. Again, haven't seen the, the Chelsea penalty yet. I think they got two penalties in that two game. Two penalties, if, yeah. 
yeah, the the second one apparently is is slightly dodgy. Um, but again, I haven't seen that myself, so I I can't comment on that. But it, it's yeah, it, it's just a little bit of a quirk, isn't it? That it came down to, to penalties for for all three of those teams. I think we've seen throughout this season that the that those are a pretty certain, pretty nailed on to be the top three. It, it's just a case of of which order. I think the last couple of weeks have started to make me think that Chelsea might be the third in that race. They've dropped a couple of points. They've maybe not looked quite as as convincing as, as Liverpool and City have, but look, there's still a long way to go. I think in another two or three weeks' time, we'll probably have a better idea of it. Probably the other side of AFCON as well. We'll know how Liverpool get on in that period. But I think Liverpool and and, uh, and Manchester City for sure will, will be right up there. You wouldn't want to, to bet against Chelsea either. So it's... It's going to be really tight at the top. Whether Chelsea are there or not, it's going to be tight. It's going to be tough for Liverpool. But essentially, that is why they had to, to win today's game. It's it's a game, obviously, that City have gone to Villa a couple of weeks ago and, and won. Liverpool had to, to match that result. And yeah, I, I, I'm edging towards it being a, a Liverpool or City title win, to be honest, just in terms of, of the way the last few weeks has gone. But yeah, like I say, lots of things can change. Well, of course, all three of those sides are joined by Man United, who I'll remind you did lose to Liverpool 5-0 this season for Monday's Champions League draw. Are you looking forward to that one, Matt? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, it's one obviously we'll be covering here on, on YouTube and, and people can tune in and, and see who Liverpool draw. So that will be will be interesting. Um, I think that the Champions League actually, in terms of the title race, could come into it a little bit. If one of, of the three teams goes all the way in the Champions League, maybe they're a little bit less likely to, to win the Premier League as well. But... Yeah, it's going to be interesting, isn't it? I think in terms of who do you want to avoid, probably PSG is is the only one. I, I still think Liverpool could beat them, of course. You know, over two legs, Liverpool could beat anybody. But I think you'd probably prefer to, to save that for a little bit later down the line. But yeah, anybody else, really. I think Liverpool would be massive favourites. I think Red Bull Salzburg wouldn't be a bad one. Either of, of the trips to Portugal, I think, would be would be OK as well. So, yeah, it's it's one that Liverpool can sort of look forward to. And as long as it's not PSG, I think they'll be pretty happy and, and pretty comfortable that they should get through. Well, viewers, you can all join Matt Addison live on the Blood Red YouTube channel for Monday's draw. We'll have all the reaction from that one. But that's all we've got time for, I'm afraid, today. Thank you very much for tuning in. I've been Patrick Smith with Matt Addison. Thank you much for joining us and see you next time. You've been listening to the Agenda Podcast on the Blood Red channel.